Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. From Glenagiri child therapist to Airbnb host in Kenmare, the many faces of Samantha Cooks. So around the same time that Samantha Cooks was uh, offering art therapy and occupational therapy, she spun this yarn where she told all these local families that due to her wealth, she was offering them the chance of a lifetime to go to Lapland at a dramatically reduced rate. All of these children and their parents legitimately believed that this was going to happen. Some of them had already paid Samantha Cooks some deposits for this trip. Lynn MacDonald is one of a number of women who had Samantha Cooks in her house offering services to her children. Lynn MacDonald had agreed provisionally to maybe sign over consent for Lucy to take her eldest daughter out of the country without her. She thought maybe her youngest daughter might be in hospital at the time and she wouldn't want the older child to miss out on the Lapland trip. You can imagine when that mother found out that this person, this stranger that had been in her home was a fraud, how alarming it was that she got so close to handing over her consent for that. So that house was actually put on red alert and for a long time that mother couldn't leave her daughter out in the garden on her own for fear of what would happen. I'm Kevin Doyle and today on the Indo Daily, a story of fraud, fake identities and exploiting people's vulnerabilities. I'm joined by Ellen Coyne, news correspondent with the Irish Independent, to uncover the alias and scams of serial fraudster Samantha Cooks. Ellen Coyne, you've come in to me today with a rather extraordinary story about two women who we know to be one woman. Can just take me back to the start? Yeah, so it is a bit of a convoluted but extraordinary story. So for the past few weeks, if not months, I was trying to chase down this woman who I first understood to be Carrie Jade Williams. But through our investigation and all of the twists and turns in this unbelievable story, we now understand that Carrie Jade Williams is indeed one and the same with Samantha Cooks, a serial convicted fraudster who's been before the courts, both in the UK and in Ireland. And we now understand that for at least the last eight years, and it's important to say at least because there's a lot of unknowns with this woman, she has been going from town to town across Ireland, duping people, deceiving people, and in some cases even defrauding people out of significant amounts of money. And a lot of the time she was doing that in plain sight because she often adopted really high profile false identities. She would have a huge following on social media and she's probably one of the most audacious fraudsters I've ever come across. So tell me about her latest situation. Where is she last known to have been and what what is it, I suppose, that the straw that's broke the camel's back here? 
So since at least March, she was living in Kenmare in County Kerry under her most recent false alias, which is Carrie Jade Williams. And she'd built a fairly decent profile for herself as a kind of disability rights advocate and a writer. Her story was that about three years ago, she got this devastating Huntington's disease diagnosis. She would give these really compelling interviews on local, national and international media, which on their own seemed fairly credible. When I got my diagnosis, at that point, I'd lost the ability to properly communicate. So I was using what's called an eye gaze board which is where you have to spell every word out um, which is very frustrating when you're a chatterbox like me when you compared them with each other there was a lot of inconsistencies like she would say that through her disability she'd completely lost the ability to speak then she had regained it then she developed some technology that taught herself how to do it all of these kind of things that didn't really add up and she was still kind of doing a lot of high profile work she won this really prestigious Financial Times essay competition in 2020 talking about her disability and accessibility Um, she was on really high profile podcasts like The Guilty Feminist Yes, I have them on at my end and then I use an electronic braille reader that I designed myself. So as you're talking, I have a little braille reader that um, that's how I so that I can stay looking at a screen while also reading it. I learned braille Um, and then yeah, so that's how um, how I get around um, those kind of needs. She did interviews with the Kerry Man on News Talk, on podcasts, as you mentioned. So it's not exactly as if she was um, somebody operating in the shadows. No, and she did kind of, uh, she did court fame, you know, not super high profile fame, but she was the one who would approach media outlets and say, you know, I've got this amazing story. I've got this incredible um, project that I'm working on. Would you like to cover it? What was it like getting that diagnosis, Carrie? Oh, I get asked this question a lot. I think um, because I have Alzheimer's, I have early onset Alzheimer's symptoms. I, I don't really know if I fully remember the day that I got my diagnosis. It's sort of an interesting one living with neurology, um, neurological illnesses. For me, I mean, I'm not going to underplay it. It's devastating. She was somebody who, you know, for somebody who had a few things to hide, was happy to attract a little bit of scrutiny and attention on herself. She even told Radio Kerry, I think, that she had been commissioned by Netflix. I was able to pitch um, to Netflix and they have been remarkable. I, they purchased a screenplay, which is life changing for me in, a, in the middle of the pandemic with my assistive tech. I was the first person to write a screenplay using assistive technology. Um, and then we're also I'm being filmed as part of a documentary. Um, they have been remarkable to me, just giving me the opportunity to showcase what assistive tech is. She said that she had a Netflix, she had Netflix commissioned in one story to kind of uh, pick up a screenplay that she'd written. In another story, it was that Netflix was making a documentary about her life. I've asked Netflix about this and they haven't come back to me. She was saying that, you know, she had this amazing novel coming out so high profile. She had to sign an NDA. She had these screenplays that never materialized, these essay collections, these poetry collections, these podcasts that she was doing. Like she would give interviews talking about all of these incredible, exciting projects that would never actually materialize. So I don't want to say it's harmless, but it's not directly harming anybody that she goes out and tells fantasy stories about her life. But there was more to it, too. She was making some money. 
Yeah, so when you peel it back, uh, she um, she had adopted ways to kind of make money through um, some of her false identities as well. So as Carrie Jade Williams, she was running a kind of sensory equipment shop online. She claimed that she didn't think anyone should be profiting from selling equipment to children with additional needs or children with autism. And she was claiming to be able to 3D print sensory equipment and sell it way below what parents would be. Pay- so we've seen emails over and back where she was promising parents, you know, 850 euro worth of sensory equipment. She was operating this shop online. We tried to buy something from it a few months ago and uh, the order never materialised. And that lined up with some reviews on TikTok from parents who were saying they'd spent a decent amount of money. They promised children Christmas presents from this uh, sensory equipment shop and they'd never arrived. And so when you tried to buy something, it just never arrives as a customer. What's what's your communication with that website? So she has an email uh, set up for her shop and it always seems to have an automated response. Now, these have varied from there is a storm and none of my staff can come in. I'm away with illness at the moment. I'm inundated with emails. The queen has died. I think every single time someone has contacted this shop, there's been an automated response with some form of excuse for why Carrie won't be in touch with you in a timely fashion. And then, Ellen, one a story that a lot of people probably would have seen, it got a lot of traction on social media, was this thing about Airbnb. Yeah, this was a jaw-dropping story that Carrie put up on her own TikTok account where she had like a decent but not massive following. And she claimed, so she was running an Airbnb in Kenmare. That is true. Unfortunately, it was an Airbnb that she was running without her landlord's knowledge or permission. But she claimed on TikTok that some Airbnb guests who'd shown up were trying to sue her for being disabled. She suggested as well that um, behind these Airbnb guests, there was some shadowy lobby group that was trying to unravel equality legislation. This unbelievable story went everywhere because she included details saying she was being sued for a life changing amount of money and that the people suing her had four A4 pages of demands like um, weighted blankets that they would need, a maid, um, all of this stuff that they would need to recover from the trauma of being around a person with disability. So the internet being what it was, obviously this had a lot of shock factor, so it went fairly widely. There was a TikToker called Mags Pugsley, who got quite high profile during the Amber Heard trial. People kept tagging her saying, look at this unbelievable story, look at this unbelievable story. So she made a video supporting Carrie and her awful plight against these terrible Airbnb guests. The story went viral, just rocketed, went everywhere. And all of a sudden, Carrie went kind of quiet. So I think maybe she never actually intended for it to reach the viral scale that it did. And this was an example of her maybe flying a little bit too too close to the sun because the Airbnb story is ultimately what would unravel all of it for her. Well, we'll come back to that then in a bit more detail. But first, let's talk about some of the other things that Samantha Cook or Carrie Jade Williams has been up to. So take me back to 2016. Where was Samantha at that point and what was she doing? So in 2016, Samantha was living in Dublin in Glenageary under the alias Lucy Fitzwilliams. Her story then was that she was a millionaire. She'd uh, inherited all this money when her mother had died in a tragic accident and she was using her wealth for good. So she claimed to be running a domestic abuse refuge uh, in the area. She benefited from the fact that I suppose domestic abuse refuges by their nature are not visible and not identifiable. Um, She also claimed to be engaged to a pastor and when she would later flee Dublin, a wedding would be found in the accommodation that she was renting. She also claimed that she had um, she was a qualified occupational therapist and she had some qualifications in the UK but they hadn't yet been kind of formalised in Ireland and that actually does kind of line up with what would happen if someone did have those qualifications and move to another country. So she was working as an au pair 
in the kind of local area. And she kind of ingratiated herself with local families, specifically mothers of children with additional needs, and said that, you know, she'd be happy to provide occupational therapy, speech and language therapy, just in exchange for a very small fee and maybe a bit of lunch. Hugely appealing to families that were on very long HSE waiting lists at the time and really struggling to get services for their children. And so people got taken in by this. Yeah. She seemed genuine. She seemed interested, caring even. Tell me about your conversations with Lynn MacDonald. So Lynn MacDonald is one of a number of women who had uh, Samantha Cook's in her house offering services to her children. Lynn has two children, Ellie and Daisy. Ellie at the time would have been eight and Daisy would have been around three. Daisy has Rett syndrome, so she's very ill at the time. And Samantha Cooks, uh, under the guise of Lucy, offered to look after Daisy. Thankfully, Lynn turned her down because Daisy has, um, you know, Daisy would have been getting services from Jack and Jill at the time. But she did take, uh, quote unquote, Lucy up on the offer of giving her eight-year-old daughter art therapy and that went on for seven or eight weeks and obviously as a mother Lynn is really struggling with that now knowing now what she does about Samantha Cook's real identity and the fact that all of these qualifications that she claimed to have were fabricated. And from there the Lapland story. Yes. So around the same time that Samantha Cooks was uh, offering art therapy and occupational therapy, she spun this yarn where she told all these local families that due to her wealth, she was offering them the chance of a lifetime to go to Lapland at a dramatically reduced rate, that she would take some of the families who were staying in her domestic abuse refuge, some of the families that she looked after where children had additional needs, fly them to Lapland and um, just give them just the deal of a lifetime, basically, to kind of make their dreams come true. We've seen emails over and back between Samantha and some of these families where she was getting into detailed itineraries talking about this time at this time of day you'll go see Santa then you'll go on a sled ride then you'll go see a husky farm and all of these children and their parents legitimately believed that this was going to happen. Some of them had already paid Samantha Cooks some deposits for this trip and she would send these grand emails talking about how, you know, she was a Christian and the money that she was taking was just the cost price. She wasn't going to make a profit on this. But if people wanted to, they could donate to her what we now know as an imaginary domestic abuse refuge. So you'd have families who wouldn't have had very much scraping 20 or 30 euro together a week and putting together a hamper to donate to this refuge. And after Cook would flee Dublin um, a lot of those kind of care packages and hampers including one child's birthday presents that they donated would be found in her accommodation as well. The Lapland trip never happened though because fate intervened. Yes, so around the August bank holiday 2016, Cooks collapsed in a bookshop in Dunleary and we understand that this was a legitimate kind of health episode. She called um, a local woman that she knew, a woman who had hired her to kind of provide therapy to her child. And when the woman arrived at the hospital, she was asking for Lucy, you know, is Lucy here? My friend collapsed in a bookshop. And the nurse was saying, well, there's nobody here by the name Lucy, but there is a woman who fits that description, but her name is Samantha. And when the woman went to the bed that Samantha was in, she pulled back the curtain and the woman that she knew as Lucy was sitting there on the bed. So some suspicions were raised. She uh, wanted to look after Lucy. So after she discharged herself, the woman took her back to her house and let her stay the night. And when Lucy was in the shower, she was folding her clothes and noticed that they were all from pennies, which is normal for the rest of us. But for someone who was claiming to be a millionaire, it raised a few red flags and the women started to talk to each other and think that maybe something is awry here. And so... It starts to unravel in terms of her life in South County Dublin. 
But surely some of these families now who were giving deposits for Lapland or at least had signed up for it, who had allowed her in to take part in therapy, to be with their children. Is anyone reporting this to the guards at this point? Loads of people are reporting it to the guards. So we understand that Samantha Cooks, under different names, was reported to the guards in a number of different counties. Now, when she was reported to the guards in Tala, which would have been the closest station to Lynn MacDonald, the guards did take that incredibly seriously because as part of the preparation for the Lapland trip, Lynn MacDonald had agreed provisionally to maybe sign over consent for Lucy to take her eldest daughter out of the country without her. She thought maybe her youngest daughter might be in hospital at the time and she wouldn't want the older child to miss out on the Lapland trip. So there had been discussions about, you know, handing over passports and signing forms. You can imagine when that mother found out that this person, this stranger that had been in her home was a fraud, how alarming it was that she got so close to handing over her consent for that. So that house was actually put on red alert. And for a long time, that mother couldn't leave her daughter out in the garden on her own for fear of what would happen. And what happened with the guard investigations? So that one didn't seem to come to anything, but the Irish Independent has found some court documents which shows that in 2019, Cooks was before a district court in Fermoy. She was she had basically been po- posing as a ch- clinical child psychologist and she had persuaded a family to pay her €840 Euro for a report that the family would then use to get a special needs assistance. Anyone who even has cursory knowledge of what that process is like appreciates that there's very long waiting lists for those services. So if someone came to you and told you that they could do it for maybe 800 euro as opposed to a grand, you would absolutely take them up on that. Um, And the court records at the time also showed that, you know, it was mentioned that Cooks had also been charged with theft from, I think, about four different houses around the 2016 time as well. And families, uh, we've reported on it often in in the newspapers and on the website, families are desperate desperate for support when it comes to child psychology needs. The, so... Bring us to, to back to today. Who is Samantha Cooks? So I mentioned earlier that she kind of flew too close to the sun with the Airbnb thing. It went, she lost control of the story and it actually went viral all over the world. Unsurprisingly, some people from her past instantly recognised her, not as Carrie Jade Williams, but as Samantha Cooks, someone who, according to people from her past I've spoken to, had a history of always telling whopper lies. Um, And these kind of took a dark turn in 2011 when she was before the courts in the UK. It emerged that she had posed as a surrogate. So she had found this couple who had had serious problems with infertility, um, did not have any children and were desperate to have one. She set up this elaborate scheme where she posed not only as a surrogate, but as someone giving her a positive review for what a fantastic surrogate she was, that she was approved by the systems in the UK. And she took this family's savings. She took £1,200 from them. At the time when that Uh, was going through the courts, it was pointed out that in 2008, Cook suffered a bereavement where um, her baby suffered a cough death. And it was argued that she had suffered some psychiatric damage from this incident. And for that reason, she was given a suspended sentence. Obviously, everyone in this story, everyone that I've spoken to is so sympathetic to that loss, that kind of bereavement would obviously have a major major impacts on someone but we have gone back further than 2011 and found people who knew Cooks when she was much younger and said that she did have a trait of kind of telling unbelievable tall tales long before she suffered that loss. And in terms of the situation in Ireland now 
you mentioned that she has had recent court appearances. Is she, what are her interactions? She's never served any jail time or anything like that, but she has a number of convictions. That's right. So for the incident where um, she was pulled up for posing as a clinical child psychologist, she also received a suspended sentence. That was a 14 week suspended sentence. And I suppose we're at a stage now where because the TikTok thing got so big, one of the positives to come out of it is I think up to 16 people who've come into contact with Samantha Cooks who've kind of suffered um, at the hands of her deceit have now come together. And their main aim now is to try to make sure that people in Ireland understand who she is and recognize her because at the moment we have no idea where she is. She's left the property in Kenmare. She's trying to take her landlord through the RTB process despite the fact that she's using a false name to do so. But um, nobody knows where she is and she does have a pattern of when things fall apart in one Irish town, just upping sticks and moving to another one and starting again. So we have no idea where she is. We have no idea what name she's using and we have no idea what she's doing. You did try to contact her though. I certainly did. Uh, we tried our darndest to get a response from Samantha Cooks for, for this story. Um, when we initially got in touch with her, at first she was saying she'd be more than happy to provide an explanation for all of this. We just have to talk to her solicitor. And are you getting in contact with Carrie Jade Williams now or are you getting in contact with Samantha Cooks? Like who who are you? It was quite a convoluted. So sometimes messages would come back that were you know, she was always answering as Carrie. She maintains that she is Carrie Jade Williams and Samantha Cooks is her very similar looking sister. We know that not to be the case because we've seen evidence where I, Samantha Cooks' ID was augmented to make it look like it was Carrie Jade Williams. But we'd get these messages back that would kind of be maybe from a solicitor, that would maybe be from an advocate. Um, she would claim that her solicitor was going to get in touch with the Irish Independent. She then claimed that we had to go through this court process under an, um, a law that I've since established to be imaginary that doesn't exist in Ireland. She claimed that she was under a conservatorship, which is, again, not an illegal system that we have in this country. Just the most co- kind of convoluted, uh, protracted over and back that all uh, ultimately, according to her, were reasons why we should not publish this story. Ellen Coyne, thank you very much. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Tabitha Monaghan and Gareth Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from the Guilty Feminist podcast, News Talk and Radio Kerry. If you enjoyed the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.